Much to discuss, of course, this morning on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers heading back to the Grey Cup. Mr. Mackling put together a nice little montage, including some sounds of the game from Saturday, some fans reacting, and some of what was heard on Monday night's Coaches Show. Also today on the football front, we checked in with Jim Toth. Also, what is up with this weather? We've got golf courses that have reopened in mid-November, so we checked in with David Phillips from Environment Canada to find out how long this is going to last. And inspired by a pretty crazy story out of Colorado involving a loyal dog, we asked you to tell us a story of unwavering loyalty. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's off this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, November 19th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. We are back after a Monday off, day in lieu of Remembrance Day. So, yes, we are live. We are here. We got a couple of messages from people yesterday saying, are you guys off today? Yeah. One of my buddies was on his way to work yesterday morning. He texted me. He goes, you know, I really thought it was Sunday. Halfway to work. When you weren't on the air this morning, I had to double check the day of the week. <laughs> Guess what week it is? It's Grey Cup week, baby! Yeah! Woo! Wow. Uh, some will say that the result was never in doubt on Saturday. I would push back on that a little bit. But the Winnipeg Blue Bombers definitely dominating the BC Lions, in particular on defense, to earn their way to their fourth consecutive visit to the CFL Championship game. It's very exciting i know people are absolutely thrilled about it and gabby uh, gabrielle marchand is the in-game host at ig field during bomber games and she and she given where she you know stands during the game uh, she knows a thing or two about this she says she's never heard it louder can you con- confirm i would i would concur with Gabby's assessment. Christian O'Mell said as much also in our post-game coverage on Saturday night. He he said that he's been taking off the headphones lately just because, you know, fifth straight sellout. So congratulations to the Bombers on that as well. Congratulations to the fans for coming out and showing their support the way they did. But they just, fans really did their job on Saturday, made life really difficult for the Lions. And Christian said that, you know, over the last uh, several weeks, he's been doing a better job to just to try and be in the moment, take his headphones off so that he can really understand how loud it is. Often, he says he can't hear Derek in, or the broadcast in his headphones when it gets his, at its loudest. Wow. And he said on Saturday that uh, it was as loud as he'd ever heard it. So it was uh, quite the atmosphere in there. And hey, Let's uh, get down to Hamilton. The Bombers took off yesterday afternoon, arrived in Hamilton yesterday evening in southern Ontario. And they'll uh, get a peek at Tim Hortons Field uh, for the first time today. First time uh, since the middle of of the fall. What happened in the East Final? I went to the pub to watch the game on Saturday and I got there as the, the East Final was pretty much wrapped up. And when I looked at the score and saw Montreal just slapping Toronto like what happened nine turnovers that's what happened Montreal Alouettes forced nine 
turnovers. They scored a touchdown on a kick return. They forced Chad Kelly, who is most likely, as much as we would like Brady Oliveira, to be awarded most outstanding player. Chad Kelly is most likely to receive that award later on this week in Niagara Falls. And uh, he was terrible. He absolutely was terrible. And so the questions in Toronto uh, about how the Argonauts managed the last couple of months, the last six, seven weeks of the season, that a 16-2 and two record and, and most people referencing mid-September since the last time they played a meaningful game. And so that sort of came back to bite them. A little bit. The fact that they didn't have anything to play for for essentially the last two months of the season. It's it's hard to turn an off on and off the switch. And uh the Blue Bombers have, have managed that very well over the years when they've they've had first place wrapped up early heading towards the playoffs. And we'll just, uh, I guess we'll find out next year if uh, the Argonauts learn their lesson. And uh, it's the second time a team's finished 16, 16 and 2 in a CFL season. And neither time has that team made it to the Great Cup. Really? Yeah, Edmonton did it back about 15, 16 years ago. Oh. They were 16 and 2. So that's a record you don't want to have. That, well, at least uh, so far, <laughs> that would be the indication, yes. <laughs> so we'll have much more on the Bombers at 7.35. Breakfast with the Bombers, in case you missed it over the weekend. We'll have a recap of the sounds of the game, and we also want to play some of the coaches' show, which was last night on 680 CJOB. And then later on this morning at 9.35, Jim Toth will join us, co-host of Jets at Noon. We'll talk some Bombers, we'll talk some Jets, and uh, the Oilers what is going on over there? But also today, we heads up, we've got a concert announcement at 8.05 and tickets to give away. Uh, we'll do that just before Cameron Poitras brings you the keys to the game uh, just after 8.10. We'll find our next Parks and Rec qualifier at 7.55 for that trip for two, $5,000 trip for two to Jasper. And at 7.20, the Country Fest code word of the day contest has come to an end and the winner shall be declared for what is, you know, if Saturday's game was a hot ticket, this Country Fest, we had like hundreds and hundreds of entrants for this. A lot of people vying for this prize. So if you were successfully entered into that contest, stick around. You'll find out if you're heading up to Dauphin coming up the end of June. Next year. June 28th to June 30th, 2024. Next year country's not a bad thing. You know, like in football, when you lose and you, you talk about, wow, there's always next year. We're next year country. This is good next year country. <laughs> it is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. The normal high for this time of year, by the way, is minus two. We're looking for a high of eight today. Now, I went virtual golfing yesterday. I went to the tee box just off Nairn beside the Pony Corral. I love it there. Uh, for as, you know, as far as virtual golf simulators go, it's a great place. But had I known there were there was outdoor golf up for grabs, I may have reconsidered. <laughs> I didn't know that the court, South Side opened yesterday, and they're going to stay open while they can. That's a great little course just south of the city off Highway 59. And Shooters on North Main opened their driving range yesterday and will be opening the course today. I'm surprised these golf courses didn't phone you directly to let you know, Brett. <laughs> Amy Sersani with Shooters says the course has been closed since October 18th, but they've been working on getting it ready for a late resurgence. We got guys on the driving range right now. 
I saw earlier there was a guy, oh, he's still out there. He's got, like in shorts and a t-shirt, but he's got a toque and mitts on. <laughs> I'm like, you're on it, man. Now, as for the guy in the shorts, he's one of the people Global spoke to yesterday. Global Winnipeg went to shooters to talk to some of the guys on the driving range. You got your shorts going on here. Oh, yeah, is, this yeah. a, is this a pretty common thing? Uh, you know what? Like uh, summertime, uh, summertime weather, uh, it's always shorts. Always shorts. got to be uh, just more comfortable for me anyways and uh, get a little bit of a tan. Yeah. Uh, usually in the wintertime last year, we go to the simulator, but uh, the weather's been pretty good. This, I think the weather's going to be good this week, so you might have to book a tee time. If you're a golfer, come out here, get a couple reps in, and uh, enjoy the day. It's nice to hit off hit off the, the mats outside, especially when you can see how far it goes. No, I actually haven't, not in November at least. It's perfect. I, I mean, it's when do you ever have uh, no snow really in November, right? So the weather's great. Um, I, I never thought I'd play in November because I thought this would be all filled with snow. So uh, we we get we got a blessing today. Thankfully, we're off today, so uh, we took the opportunity to play golf. So the blessing for me yesterday was that, of course, all the melted snow revealed all the leaves that I had not gotten around to raking. Got them done yesterday. Oh, no. Yeah, it felt really good. Them. I had to do it. It felt really good, though. And oh, my God, the grass is green. Holy smokes. Everywhere you look, yeah. the grass is incredibly green. So uh, it was uh, kind of neat. Uh, I would have preferred to have been at the driving range yeah. for sure. But uh, one of the boys had the day off from school yesterday. So we got the east troughs cleaned out. We got those. We got those leaves raked up and got a couple of other chores done that needed to get done uh, before winter really shows up. So what are you going to do today? Oh, today <laughs> I'm just going to go visit my dad and then I've got some uh, some more boring apartment cleanup that I need to get done. Because, um, you know, I, I, I had already sort of, normally I would. like I, And I know some of my buddies, I bet you there are some of my diehard buddies are probably reworking their work situations today so that they can get out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, I think I'll, I'll take a pass at it, but good for, for Southside, good for shooters for being able to, to get open for a couple of more days. No Cause we got that early dose of winter and a lot of guys were able to got called into duty to clean up the snow, snow plow operators, snow shovelers. And now there's almost no evidence that any of it ever happened. It's just the weirdest. It might be the weirdest thing. I've ever seen in November. And as you pointed out, the grass is so green. It's beautiful. I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. And uh, Saturday after the game, the uh, preliminary forecast for Hamilton for Sunday was about eight degrees and sunshine. Now it's been modified uh, four degrees and sunshine in Hamilton for Sunday. So that's not bad. Right now we want to talk about loyalty. And this has to do, Greg, with a pretty crazy story out of Colorado. This is one of our top trending stories at globalnews.ca. The headline, hiker missing since August, found dead with dog still alive beside him on a Colorado peak. Colorado hiker, here's the story, was missing for two and a half months. Found dead in the San Juan mountain range with his loyal Jack Russell Terrier still alive by his side. Rich Moore, 71 of Pagosa Springs, had been missing since August 19th 
After setting off with his dog to summit Blackhead Peak, which soars to an elevation of 12,500 feet, 3,812 meters, Moore and his dog Finney failed to return. About seven weeks later, a local hunter found Moore's body with Finney still alive beside him. That from the Archuleta County Sheriff's Office and a story in the Denver Gazette. The next day, members of the Sheriff's Office and search and rescue volunteers were flown to Blackhead Peak to recover the man and his dog. The dog's now living with, uh, with a new family. All right. So the question then for you, that you came up with, Mr. Greg? Just an example, a story of unwavering loyalty. Could be from a dog, a cat, a bird. Could be from someone uh, you love, someone that loves you. All right, 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. You know how this goes. Let's go around the horn. And uh, Cameron Portress, how about we start with you, sir? Well, this was a real easy one today, especially with what happened uh, over the weekend uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, beating the Lions 24-13 to to head to the their fourth straight Grey Cup. Uh, it has to be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'm unabashed. You can't break me off my bomber fandom. It never have been able to. 234 and 268 over the seasons from 1990 all the way to 2019. Through my formative years, um, I was born in 91. So from the from the year that I was born, my family called me the curse. I was the reason why the Winnipeg Blue Bombers never won. But it wouldn't have stopped. Uh, 14 losing seasons, 11 time missing, missing the playoffs, 10 and 16 over that stretch um, in the postseason. No Greg Cups. Uh, the longest uh, drought at that time uh, amongst all CFL teams. Um, and... It, I always felt like they, they had to break through at some point. Um, and like, especially when I was living in Calgary, I was really getting the pressure. Why don't you be with the stamps? Why aren't you a, a stamps fan? Why aren't you uh, a to the dark side? Never in my life would I ever support those red and white snakes um, <laughs> with that stupid pick six running around that horse. No. <laughs> Gotta go for the, the horse bombers. that runs up and down the sidelines they celebrate were, he, the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Itzy, I think, was the name of the horse for a while, and now it's is it Pick Six? Is the horse yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, Pick Six. Yeah, or yeah. I think quick, John. Quick, no, it's Quick Six. Sorry. Oh, Quick Six. Yeah, yeah I think John six. Wells owned Itzy. The 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 son of uh, the late great Cactus Jack Wells really owned Itzy. Uh, the uh, touchdown a cool horse. fun fact. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, there was two death through almost three decades of. Yep. Of despair. Well That's, done, Cam. It's finally been worth it. Even I divorced them for about 14 months. <laughs> it was difficult. Like, I was getting, everybody's like, why do you watch those guys? I said, just wait. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> now everybody wants to have a piece. Sarah McCarthy. <laughs> my mind immediately went to my childhood pet when you said the topic for today's question. So my dog, Dexter, he passed away in the spring, but he was just the definition of unwavering loyalty. You go to the bathroom, half the time when you come out, you trip over him. His <laughs> just lying right in front of the door waiting for you uh, out at our cabin and go out kayaking. He'd try swimming to us as far as he could. Uh, just all these just little things. He'd sleep at the end of my bed almost every night, me or my mom's bed, my parents' bed, and uh, yeah, just everyone has a dog like that, I'm sure. Now, was the dog named after the cartoon <laughs> scientist or the uh, Miami uh, forensic uh, slash serial killer? Uh, the serial killer. Okay. <laughs> the serial killer show, but uh, <laughs> complete opposite of that, but yes. E.T., get out of my laboratory! <laughs> well, I ask you because I also had a dog named Dexter 
whom we named after, after the television yeah, show, yeah. Uh, after the the um, can't remember the actor's name off the top of my Me head. Me either but, at the moment. Um, but uh, he lives in Scotland now with my ex, so I miss Dexter. Uh, Forte, what about you? Honestly, I was looking in the mirror this morning. And I was like, you know what? I'm almost due for a haircut. I'm loyal to my hairdresser. I never, I never had a hairdresser who I went to constantly, but now I do. Her name is Abby. She works at Chatters in uh, Polo Park, and uh, like, she's just awesome. Like, even when she goes on vacation, I could go to someone else and get a quick uh, haircut because my hair is fairly easy hair due to cut. And uh, no, but I'm loyal to her. So I, I even put on a baseball hat. My hair is too long, and she's on vacation. I'm just like, oh, I have to, I have to wait for her. <laughs> I know, I know it seems stupid, but you know, once you no. find that good customer service, you wanna. Forte, I, I think you got to let those locks grow a little bit. Get those curls. <laughs> show off for those curls you got. They're gorgeous locks you got there. No, I, I did that during the pandemic, and it was terrible. No, I thought it was. Look, I, look, I look thought cute. it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah, bring it back. Bring I back the pandemic this. hair. I like the shorter hair better for you. Thank you. you. <laughs> it's so much easier to maintain when it's short. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I don't know if there's anyone more loyal to their barber, their hairstylist, than Brett McGarry. Ah, uh, yes. I've been How going, long have you been going to uh, Tony, right? Yeah, well, Tony's barber shop in Trent's going on Joe. in Regent, but the barber is Joe. Tony was his father, uh, his late father. And uh, I've been going there since I was 11. I'm 46. And Holy only, smoke. and in wow. that only, I bet you in that time there have been maybe ten times where I've gotten my hair cut somewhere else where I just needed to get it done. He's gone to an appointment system in the last ten years or so, and I've had to miss a few appointments. And if you miss an appointment, you're screwed. Like you're not getting in for another month. So there have been a couple of times where I've had to go elsewhere. But yeah, uh, without fail, I go see Joe once a month. Hopefully once a month, and um, yeah, since I was eleven years was old. Was that your? Was that your? Was that your one? Your was that your loyalty story? No, that was, okay, well, well, that that was that might have been one of it, but uh, I want to know what yours is. No, I want you to go because <laughs> I don't know if I can do mine. I, I I think I'm too emotional. I don't think I can do it today. Well, there was a time where I was at the Tijuana. I am, and by the, but I'm glad that you brought that up because it gives me an opportunity to say, "Hey, good morning, Joe." But uh, no, mine takes us back to the Tijuana Yacht Club, which is uh, in was a nightclub at Canadian's Polo Park. We're going back probably over 20 years now, and we're sitting in the back corner. Uh, me, my buddy Steve, his girlfriend at the time, and we're just having some drinks. And uh, this this guy walks over to our table, and he just takes my drink. And he goes back to his table and sits down. <laughs> and he was a smaller guy, and there was another guy, a big guy, who was about my height. So I'm 6'4". He was 6'4", and he looked a little bit bigger. And my buddy Steve... It's smaller than me. And he gets in this guy's face and he says, what are you doing? And the the guy kind of gave him a little tap on the cheek. He yeah. said, don't worry about it. And my <laughs> friend who weighed probably 100 pounds less than him was like a bulldog. He's like, what are you doing? Are you did, What did you just do? Did you just put your hand on me? You better. And his girlfriend had to hold him back. He was prepared to lay down his life because these jerks took my drink. So, Yeah. If you don't want if you, everybody should have a friend like that in their corner. No even though, kidding. even if his actions were maybe influenced slightly by rum, uh, wait, you know that's not proven. <laughs> we heard from Cam Poitras, and the unwavering loyalty he he spoke of was his own. 
to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, Cam uh, very passionately defended his love for the Blue Bombers, despite living in Alberta for several years in BC. And I've been under that pressure as well. Oh, come on. You don't live there anymore. You got to come and cheer for this team. And you know, you're true blue when you, when you push back any of those advances. So uh, Cam, congratulations to you. Well, well, well done. Well but, done, sir. But it's okay to mock anyone else who comes here for not being a Bomber fan. That's right. Fan. That's right. Okay. I, don't, I don't typically do that. I don't typically do that. I'm I'm very actually respectful of people who who are very loyal to their teams. I was giving Clay Young a hard time for waffling on the fact that he was a Riders fan for all his life and now he switched to the Blue Bombers. So so where's his his genuine loyalty? <laughs> we have to suss that out still. Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in Hamilton getting set to face the Montreal Alouettes in Sunday's Grey Cup game at Tim Hortons Field. Yeah, and the Blue Bombers landed in Hamilton last evening and we'll get their first look at the stadium today, the same place they won their second consecutive championship in a thrilling 33-25 overtime victory over the hometown Tiger Cats back in December of 2021. Let's look back at how the Blue Bombers earned their place in this week's game and get the table set for what's to come. It's the Bombers and Lions, and a trip to the Grey Cup will be decided 60 game minutes from now. First and 10 from the Bombers' 35-yard line. Tight end and the fullback in the game. They'll toss it to Mizell Trickery. They'll give it back to Adams on the old flea flicker. And he's sacked! Three Bombers converge, including Kyrie Wilson and Ricky Walker for the sack. They drop play to Oliveira. Trying to cut back instead of five. Oliveira is going to push. They're going to shove wow. him toward the end zone. Where will he get wrestled down? Zach wants the touchdown. And it is a touchdown. Oliveira was hit up four yards short. Five hoggies drove him into the end zone. And the Bombers lead at six to three. Grant fourth in the league in punt return average this season. The one touchdown. The CFL play of the year. Blocked. 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 It's Blocked and the Bombers have it inside the 15. They scoop it up and they're down inside the five. Still pushing to the end zone for the touchdown. Nick Hallett. Nick Hallett with the score. And the Bombers lead it 14 to 3. I need to see that again because you can't hit the punter under any circumstances. And I hope it stands. After automatic down. review, the ruling on the field stands. We have a touchdown. Touchdown Bombers, they lead it 14-3. Blitz coming off the edge, five-man rush, tipped up, balls in the air, who's got it? Bodies are everywhere, Intercepted. flagged down as well. Kyrie Wilson has it in his hands and his helmet is off. Two flags are down, but at the moment, it's Blue Bombers football. Adams wants the gun, come back, picked, picked off. off. Well done to Mario Houston's got it, 45, 50, 55, Houston. Man, did he ever see that one coming. Adams signaling out with this loud crowd noise. Two, one on the play clock. He just gets it off. Five-man rush. Adams, pressure from Cole. He's down again. Sack number nine. Adams is going to hum this one up for Rhymes, who just runs into Joel Parker. is picked off. Home is racing back the other way. 50, 40, 30, 20. Score, young man. Score. And Adams will drag him down unless he laterals it. He just actually threw it up in the air as the whistle had blown. But Evan Holm with the interception. 
and it's Bombers ball, and they're going back to the Grey Cup. Zach Kolaros kneels down, has a celebratory headbutt with Brady Oliveira. Kolaros pumps the ball into the East Stands as for the first time since 1982, a team is going to a fourth straight Grey Cup. Zach, what's your impression of this game? Uh, just total team effort. Uh, got a bunch of messages from guys around the league just, you know, just congratulating us on a, just a total uh, team effort, complimentary football, however you want to say it. I mean, Nick Hallett blocking the, blocking the punt, then returning it. Um, you know, Janarian was great all night with the field position stuff. I thought Jameson was unbelievable. Uh, Serge, Serge did a great job um, in, in tough conditions with the win. Uh, the defense, I don't think, gave up any points minus the Hail Mary there. They were unbelievable. I mean, uh, sorry I had a beer. I can't really <laughs> That's hurt right now. The excitement is building among Winnipeg Blue Bombers fans. We'll see you there. We're going tomorrow. Henry Hewen thinks the team is set to beat out the Montreal Alouettes and take home the trophy. We are pumped. Uh, after the weekend's results, uh, we're off to Hamilton Wednesday, and it's going to be a great time, and we're going to have another cup in Winnipeg. This will be Henry's 32nd consecutive trip to the Grey Cup Championship. CFL fans travel really well. Whether you're in the game or you're not in the game, they love coming to the game. Uh, it's very social. There's so many things going on. I mean, you know, Tigertown and sort of, the, for me, the spirit of Edmonton for years has been such a big event. The Edmonton Elks of 1977 to 1982 were the last time a team went even four times in a row. It's been that long. And there's been dominant teams since then, right? The Calgarys of the 2010s and even the Ottawa Red Blacks of the 2010s. But they couldn't do it four years in a row. They would do three and four. This will be the first time Winnipeg has met Montreal in the final. They won in 84 and they won in 88 and they won in 90. So three, three championships in six seasons. Um, so now my son or our son is, uh, you know, uh, f- uh, 14. Um, so it's kind of, you know, similar thing for him now where he's, he's kind of living through a, a team that's, you know, a contender year after year. Honestly, I want to see them kill Montreal yeah (laughs) why not I wonder this week what's the most important thing you want to do for your team eliminate distractions for them it's a busy week and the the vets have a good understanding of it so it's 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 a probably a slightly easier job than it was our first time uh, in 2019 just try to make it as easy a week on them as possible in terms of flow and efficiency and making sure they have the time they need to feel as prepared as possible. They don't need any rah-rah speeches. They, they, they don't need anything like that. They just need peace, right, so they can focus on, on their job because that's what they want to do. They want to be able to have the time to watch the film they want to watch, to be with their teammates, to have dinner with them, to get the sleep they need, to practice hard, right? They want their time. So if I can do that for them, if I can help them get that, then then that's good. It's a week filled with distractions of, oh, hey, guys, you got to get on a bus or in a car and go down to Niagara Falls for the awards. And, oh, our practice time, we don't get to pick it. No, you got to do an hour and a half of media here. There's a lot asked of players and coaches and everybody on the team during Grey Cup week. It can be busy if you look at it that way. If you just take it in stride, if you can just relax and say, oh, well, here we go, then uh, you won't get too worked up. But So trying to keep, like I said, trying to keep things peaceful. DT and GMAC are off to the hammer tomorrow on the ground to get 
all the insight they can gather from the bombers and alouettes and, of course, the sounds and flavor of the Grey Cup Festival itself. Yeah, I can't wait to see all the blue and gold fans who will converge on Hamilton and the surrounding area. Blue Bomber fans love to go to Grey Cup and support their team. The CFL announced yesterday the game is a complete sellout, but, you know, there are always tickets available, uh, alternate means. Uh, how about this text from Bill Brett? Bruce Springsteen was set to play in Montreal on the 20th until concert postponement. I kept my flight, so I'll be in the belly of the beast watching the Bombers in a Montreal sports bar. <laughs> yes, I'll bring my Bomber swag. And radio family member Eve sent us a picture with the caption, how loud was it on Saturday at IG Field? Well, Eve and his brother and sister-in-law shook their cowbells to the point of destruction Saturday and a big fat blister for Eve to uh, fans get injured as well. Uh, many people have asked me why the game is in Hamilton again. That's just because of the pandemic. Things were constrained in terms of the different entertainment, the different celebration, the different venues. It was not the celebration that Hamilton had anticipated throwing in 2021. So the CFL turned around and let them give, get a second crack at it this year. Yeah, because the cities that host the Grey Cup, they really rely on that, right? And Huge. That's part of the reason why they've moved the, the East and West finals to Saturday. But moving the Grey Cup could be a big more of a challenge in terms of like it would actually potentially hurt the whole city. I, I would argue that it would. Yeah, it could take away a, a one night of hotel and, and genuine celebration and, and people converging and coming from out of town. So the start with McGarry and Mackling. McNabb is off this week. Greg Thursday and Friday from Hamilton and Derek Taylor with multiple updates through the week and then on the weekend. Yeah, that's right. I don't have an absolute confirmation on this, but if our programming is the same as it's been the last three Grey Cups, we will have a Grey Cup Saturday special on Saturday afternoon and a pregame special Sunday. And then, of course, post-game coverage from the moment the game ends Sunday night from Hamilton. The normal high for this time of year is minus two. Today, we're pushing towards eight degrees. Southside and Shooter's Golf Courses have reopened. It's November 14th. This is awesome. But what the heck is happening here? David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada, joins us now to try and explain it all. David, good morning, friend. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, you're right. It's just this is like a, an atmospheric gift that you're getting. I mean, we see temperatures. I mean, last year they would be down to be minus 15. I mean, plus 8. I mean, it's 10 degrees warmer than it, it should be. And tomorrow, uh, up there too. And even when it cools off, guys, later this week, it's still going to be above what you normally would get. As they say, you normally would get highs of maybe minus 2, lows of minus 10. And what we see even later for the weekend, we see temperatures of plus 2, plus 5. I mean, that's clearly five to eight degrees warmer than you'd expect for, for this time of the year. So it's been, but, but really November has been um, a quite uh, quite nice. I mean, we haven't seen any double-digit negative temperatures. Now, we had a couple there at the end of October, but there's been nothing like a minus 10 or below in, uh, in Winnipeg in uh, the first half of, um, of, of November. Now, there's a little bit of snow on the ground, but it's really melted under this kind of heat. And really, guys, this is California air. 
I mean, it is really absolutely, there's a large um, ridge over the, the continent and it's pumping this, this California air right from El Nino. So we can, hey, put one on the El Nino column as a plus and, uh, and it's bringing these kind of almost uh, on Winnipeg-like temperatures to uh, to many parts of the prairies. And we're seeing that stretch right across uh, many parts of Canada this um, uh, this week. There's also a, a weather system in Alberta, which is encouraging some a southwesterly flow. So all the winds are from the south, south, southwest. I mean, they don't have any kind of serious wind chill to them. They're, they're balmy temperatures. And, you know, guys, what I always think about these kind of interludes, I mean, this is not the character of winter. I mean, you're not going to, we're not canceling winter, uh, but I mean, it always, when you get these kind of days, it really kind of makes winter that much shorter. I mean, you can say, well, hey, October and November, September have all been kind of milder than normal so far in November. And uh, and my gosh, by this time, uh, some some years you said we've had too much winter, and, and yet winter is still a month away in terms of the astronomical beginning. So, hey, this is this is pretty nice, and uh, and the more that snow melts, then um, the harder it is for that cold air to come back. Oh, while many of us will enjoy this, there are also many in this province who are anxious for the onset of oh. winter. It might put them in a more festive mood for the holiday season, or maybe they're looking to pull out the snowmobile. So any idea how long they will have to wait for winter's return? Well, you know... the, the the situation in Winnipeg is always, if you don't like the weather, out your front door, look out your back door. I mean, it changes on a, very quickly. And, and so I look at this month, and I see some, some cooler temperatures next week. So those people who think about love ice fishing and, and snowmobiles, we see some snow this week, periods of snow. But, hey, with that warm-up later on the weekend, it probably will melt that snow. So we're in kind of this uh, on-and-off kind of a situation, almost a yo-yo kind of a situation. It's almost like the season is trying to feel feel its way out. And, you know, guys, I think this is going to be the character of this, this winter because of El Nino. Now, El Nino, these, this warm water in the Pacific that brings you more Pacific air and less Arctic air, I mean, the, the problem is it doesn't mean every day is going to be like that. And that's always the problem. People think, oh, well, El Nino winter means milder from, from the get-go. No, there are moments where it can be pretty, um, pretty cold because what happens is those El Nino breezes, they they slacken off, and then the polar vortex comes rushing down from the north and, and freezes you. But then the El Nino breezes come back, you see. So it's this kind of back and forth and up and down. And I think when I look at past El Nino winters, that's always the character of them. You don't get these long, drawn-out month after month of that brutally cold face-numbing wind chill. I mean, you get the kind of uh, melting, thawing back and forth. And, and so I always think it makes winter go that much shorter. And, and, um, and so, so my sense, this is what, how El Nino is playing out. Now, there's also a dance that takes place between the oceans, the warm water, and the atmosphere. They're not always in sync. And, uh, and it's been a little slow coming, but I think they're now getting in sync. I mean, we saw some clearly some, some connection between the, the oceans and the atmosphere 
clear, that warmer air and that, that, that westerly uh, air. And that took place in November. And this is a strong El Nino, one of the strongest we've seen in many years. And so my sense is you can't, it's, there's no guarantee, but boy, there's a pretty good chance that this is going to be a, a milder than normal winter. But I say that, it doesn't mean it's canceled. It just means that you'll have more of these weeks where you've got some melting going on. So I think there's going to be a winter for everybody. People who don't like winter and can't go south to escape it or, or, or hibernate or migrate from it, but then those who embrace winter. And you know, guys, my sense is that's how you should embrace winter. You should just deal with it and find those outdoor go, uh, uh, cross-country skiing or ice fishing or snowmobiling. Or um, I think it just makes the winter go much faster when you can embrace it and not, and not sort of play a, a shut-in indoors. David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for your time. You're so welcome, guys. Bye-bye. And, of course, nobody deals with winter better than Manitoba. So for those of you excited for winter, hoping it comes back, it'll it'll get here sooner or later. In the meantime, just enjoy this bonus mild weather. It's Mackling and McGarry. We've got tickets for Foreigner up for grabs coming to Winnipeg May 16th. Canada Life Centre just announced this morning. We've got to beat the box office tickets all week long. And we're asking you to tell us about loyalty whether it's loyalty you received from an animal or from a friend or maybe it's loyalty that you show to someone or something one of our runners up here bill says many years ago i had a farmer friend in bosager who hurt himself and needed help bringing in the crops i had an electrical business in northwestern ontario so i closed the doors come to manitoba for 10 days years later i was up north doing electrical work and hurt my back So my friend packed up and came up there to help me. That was on September 11, 2001. We all know what happens on that day when they close the airspace. We were going to be stranded up there, but I had a friend who had a small plane, and he flew dresser Paulo since he was 14. That's 50 years. When Paulo moved to BC for a year, Brent would plan his business trips so Paulo could still cut his hair. His only regret is he wished he would have kept a journal for all the stories and escapades they've shared over the years. As he's had less and less hair, I've told him, look, man, anyone can cut your hair. But he's always said he doesn't only go to Paulo for the haircut. He goes for the experience. And I can relate to that. Forte can relate to that. So, Debbie, that's terrific. But, yeah, the fact that your husband planned business trips just to ensure he was getting the the correct haircut, (laughs) that is loyalty. My buddy uh, Harry used to drive to Kenora for his haircuts. Really? Yeah, Harry spends the summer out there when we were younger, and uh, even in the winter, he'd call me sometimes. You got you got work to do tonight? Nah. You want to drive to Kenora for a haircut? Bite at Boston Pizza? Six-hour round trip for a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Talk sports. Bombers. The Bombers. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're on their way to their fourth consecutive Grey Cup thanks to a 24-13 victory over the BC Lions in the Western Final before another sellout crowd at IG Field. And our next guest was there under, I want to call it unusual circumstances. He was there in the stands as a non-working member of the media. Dare we describe Jim Toth as a fan on Saturday? Morning, Jim. 
Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? The the only thing I'll say about that is I can't believe how long that football game was. I didn't get home till one thirty. That game went forever. <laughs> Had a late one, did you? The, the game went forever, right, guys? As far as we all know. Uh, yeah, I didn't look at my watch. So went I, one, and then yeah. I came straight home after the game. Yeah, I, I, um, <laughs> I won't say what time I got home from the game, but uh, I didn't look at my watch or my phone either. Yeah, exactly. So 1.30 sounds about right, Jim. What and look, we cover this all the time, and we talk about it. And and I've gone, you know, in the past a couple of years ago, but I usually sit in the press box if I'm at a game or something. That atmosphere is unreal. And what Wade Miller and the the Blue Bombers, we've talked about it on the air for years. I hear about it all the time. We're comparing it to what you know some of the other sporting events that go on and how great of an atmosphere it has. Man, my friends who have season tickets just took me, you know, to the the pre-gaming, to that 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 tailgating party to begin with, and then through the stands, and just what a great atmosphere! The crowd was so into it. Um, it really is easy to see how this team, as good as they are, has still, you know, managed to sell out five games in a row. They they put on an entire spectacular event, and in this day and age, where the three hours of a sporting event needs to keep your attention, to get people that tuned in for two hours prior and an hour after. Um, just a great experience, and I'm glad I, I, I took this route and, and sort of, look, I enjoyed myself immensely, I'll tell you that, um, but it's just interesting to see it from the the fans' perspective, and, and what an atmosphere, what a game, you couldn't ask for a better outcome, and uh, the crowd was into it, and I had a really good time. And good for the Bomber fans for selling that field out again. We had some people weighing in saying, oh, they'll never sell out. Well, look at what happened. Now, the Blue Bomber defense, Jim, they sacked BC quarterback Vernon Adams nine times. What was was that the key to the win? I think it was. Like going into the game, the key for the Bombers was to contain Vernon Adams. And Mike O'Shea referenced that on his coach's show on Monday with Derek Taylor leading into the game. He said, look, they were dynamic. Vernon Adams, you know, is their MOP candidate or was and had an outstanding season. And it's their job to cool him down. Well, they cooled him down. Richie Hall and Greg Macklin can weigh in on this. Richie Hall couldn't get run out of town fast enough, the same fashion years ago that Mike O'Shea couldn't for wearing shorts on the sideline. His defense, once again, won them a playoff game. And, And I can't emphasize that enough as we go back through the last four times they've made it to the Grey Cup. They have gone on the road and done this, and now they've done it at home to contain Vernon Adams and get pressure on him as much as they did. But to sack him nine times to me was the difference in the football game. And to do it for all of the second half without one yeah. of their top defensive players, Adam Big Hill, who was injured. We don't know his status for Sunday. Uh, we'll leave the speculation for the next several days. But the way that the players just all stepped up, Malik Clements in particular, uh, even even a guy you know like a Goche and Cole, these guys that are second and third and fourth on the depth chart, these individuals who play on special teams, it's you know, it's spectacular to see these young guys come around and do what they're doing in the absence. In the middle of a game, the biggest game of the year so far without one of their leaders. And on top of all that, you talk about Richie Hall, Jim. He decided to sit a veteran, a guy who went to the National Football League three years ago, Winston Rose. They sat him down. He was a healthy scratch because they felt that the guys they put on the field gave them a better chance to win. That, that's, that's special. 
And that's what happens when you, you have this cohesiveness of keeping everybody together. A lot of talk about how old the Bombers are. A lot of talk about all these coaches that have been around for a while. But when you have that insight to who you have and your roster after years of being around them, that's just great insight by, by Richie Hall and his defense. And I agree with you. Like I didn't, they didn't miss a beat. I saw the play a little differently than my buddies. They were all cheering that uh, they made, they made a stop against BC and I saw Adam go down. I saw him sort of roll over on his side and, and hit the ground twice the turf and then sit up and the disappointment of, he just knew something was wrong right there. And I thought, well, this will be interesting, but I, I, they didn't miss a beat. And Clemens was outstanding. Um, you know, it's interesting. He wears 44 when big Hill wears four, because he just stepped right into his shoes, but that's the depth this organization has. And that's, you know, we all talked about Rashid Bailey coming back for a lot less and, and Kenny Lawler taking a pay cut to be here. That's the depth that's on this team. Players want to be here. Could they start somewhere else? Maybe. Should they chase other opportunities? Possibly. But the idea to win in this organization and the chemistry they have is why they're going to their fourth straight Grey Cup. So I just thought the defense was the difference. I thought containing and getting to Vernon Adams was the difference. Um, and then when Big Hill went down, you, you know, all eyes were on what they were going to do, and, and they didn't miss a beat. And, and to your point of the second half, Greg, they got that Hail Mary at the end of the first half. And the whole talk at halftime on the concourse was, you know, oh, that's going to give them momentum. If we only could have got out of the half without that. And, you know, we all said the defense has to step up. And they stepped up. They didn't allow anything to get started at the start of that second half after the momentum they could have had off that Hail Mary at the end of the first. What happened to the Argos? You know what? This is something I love talking about because I've seen it in the NFL. I've seen it at all levels of football when you rest your players too much. It's a dangerous game. I, I know the New England Patriots went into a, a final game of the regular season after they solidified their, their division championship and lost their star receiver, Wes Welker, on the first play for the rest of the playoffs. It, why is he playing in that game? They say, I think the Argos rested too many of their starters. And it started when they came to town here with six games to go and didn't start Chad Kelly. As great of a season as Chad Kelly's had, He's a rookie quarterback, essentially, in this league as a starter. He's been in the league. I know he won the Great Cup last year. But as a starter, I just saw a guy who hadn't played very much the last month. I saw several players who hadn't played very much. And he's a better player than that. And I think Montreal has a great defense. Montreal didn't rest anybody, uh, at least for over a month. I really love the conversation around what you do. And Mike O'Shea said it at the time when they were facing Toronto here in Winnipeg. They can do whatever they want to do in order to feel best prepared to make a run at the Grey Cup. So if they want to start resting guys with six weeks left, I have no problem with it. Go ahead. I think they looked rusty. I think they looked awful. And and the turnovers speak to that. Those are, are things that a guy who maybe even taken the reps that he did take in the last five, six weeks weren't serious, emphasized reps. I just think they look like a team that rested too many starters. I wonder what that game would have looked like if they kept playing everybody until the last week of the regular season and then had that week off and then went this. But you get the bye week and you're not playing your starters for over a month leading into it too much, and I think you saw what happened. A very rusty, inaccurate team that wasn't executing whatsoever. But we've got five days to talk about Montreal and what they bring and their defense and Sean Lemon and and uh, several other players uh, who just, their defense has been spectacular over the last several weeks, Jim. So we'll talk about them as we make our way through the week. But we have to talk hockey quick here. The Jets fell 3-2 to Dallas Saturday afternoon. Uh, another solid performance by the home team. Just how good are the Jets in five-on-five play in particular? Well, they're great. 
And, and I'm not saying that because, you know, you improve on their five-on-five play from the last four or five years, and, and, and that would be great, right? But they are legitimately great at five-on-five this year compared to any other team. It's not just the improvement they've made themselves as the organization on their five-on-five play, but overall in the league, they're playing great. And, you know, guys, I've said from the, the training camp on, the, the way they spread out this lineup, and they don't have the Blake Wheel and Pierre-Luc Dubois, they're not as skilled. But they have a very balanced lineup, and, and they just, as a team, need to be in the fight, game in, game out, and they'll, they'll get enough points to get in the playoffs. I know they lost to Dallas. I have Dallas as the best team in the Central, even better than Colorado, and I have them winning the division. The way they went down 3-1, and they kept fighting and got back into it, to me, to lose that game 3-2, there's no moral victories, but that's what this team has to do. They're going to get more points than not when they play this fashion, and they didn't get away from it. Down 3-1... That's what I was looking for for this team prior to the Bomber game was I'm like, okay, here we are. Are they going to stay the five on five? Are they going to stay the system? And they did. That's what good teams do. Up 3-1 or down 3-1, they don't get away from their system. They keep playing the same way. The Jets did that. They got it close. They almost tied it. I think that that's, you know, not, not the result they want whatsoever, but this is another good New Jersey team coming in here tonight. And if they play that way like they did against Dallas, and night in, night out, guys, Keep that solid five-on-five five going, and, and as we're seeing, the penalty kills getting better, the power play, I, I think that's the key to their season. They've got to be in games and never out of them, and they proved on Saturday, albeit with a loss, that they can hang right to the end, and that's a good sign for this Jets team. All right, Jim, we were going to ask you about the Oilers. I guess we'll have to save that for another conversation and uh, their decision well, to change well, coaches. What happened with the Oilers? <laughs> That's the question of the season so far, isn't it? That's, yeah. a, that's a shame. Yeah, that, that is the million-dollar question, really. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for another time. I mean, we're just if you're a Jets fan, just enjoy what's going on in Edmonton. I mean, we wish them all the best. Of course we do. Jim Toth, we wish you all the best. Best Jets at noon today with Cam Poitras. Noon until 1, and then it is the aptly named Jim Toth Show 1 till 3. Always appreciate the time, friend. I always appreciate you inviting me, and I always wanted to open for Hal Anderson, so thanks for having me.